Those yeah. actions more next time. <laughs> 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 yeah. And if you fly in Alaska in the tail of one of those airplanes, you'll get seasick. Uh, <laughs> All right. Grace, mercy, and peace be from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Message for today is that's beyond me. We'll get to the picture in just a moment. As we think of Trinity Sunday, we think of our God, Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There, we don't want to spend our time trying to figure out the essence of God. The, the Athanasian Creed kind of helps us with that, so that we're not so busy trying to figure out God in His essence, because we're just not able to. If you think that you can do that, come up and we'll be, I'll be glad to ask you more questions as time goes by. Right? First thing I want you to know is that it's not um, one-third, one-third, one-third of God. Father's one-third, Son is one-third, Holy Spirit's one-third. That's just not how it works. Okay? Another one that some churches actually hold to is where he started as the Father, then he showed up as the Son, then he shows up as the Holy Spirit. No? Okay? Scripture testifies to the eternality of the Son, okay, and the Holy Spirit, okay. So therefore, we don't believe that it just kind of shifts from one mode to another. We believe that's called modalism, okay. So we don't believe in those things, and it's a mystery that Jesus is fully God, and so is the Father, and so is the Spirit. There's not three gods. So what we like to do instead of talking about Him in His essence, which is very difficult, it's a mystery, okay. What we do instead is we talk about him in his job, his work. Okay? And so if you would please say John 3.16 with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his own son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so that's what we're going to look at today as we think about this. So the first thing we have is the Father. For God the Father so loved. Does that fit with your understanding of God the Father? Because there's a Bible passage that I looked at during my little break. There's James 4 7. I'm going to use this often with y'all. James 4 7 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God. You know what God's word says about the Father? That he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He is gracious and merciful. If you take a coin and you look at two sides of that coin, mercy is on one side, grace is on the other side. Mercy, okay, let's just say that you're driving down the road, you're driving too fast. How many of us have done that? Uh -oh. Every hand shoots up except for the girl because you're not old enough to drive yet. Okay? Right? You're driving too fast. You're driving too fast. Okay, so you're driving too fast, you get pulled over by the policeman, and he says, my goodness, we're driving to the we just want to pull you over and just let you know that you drive more safely. That's mercy. Okay? You're doing 80 and the 55, and he does that, that's mercy. And then he says, by the way, you're the 99th person I pulled over today, so here's $100. <laughs> okay? That's grace. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Did you notice that the Father is gracious and merciful? You know how blessed we are? <coughs> God the Father is those things. 
Now, Isaiah also reminds us that God the Father is holy. So God is not just one thing, which makes sense, right? You're not just one thing. Right? You're loving, but you're also holy. So there's a lot that goes into who you are, and there's a lot more that goes into who God is. He's gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And when we think of the work of the Father, we generally, even though all were involved, we generally think of the work of creation. I put up a picture of outside of our house. If you take that just from outside the house, that's a picture of our cactus. It started as just one of our little ears, okay? Eight, nine years ago, something like that. And Pat just dug it in the ground, put it right there, and it's just taken off, okay? Now, you know how Pat and I are, we have black thumbs, right? We kill everything. What's really cool is we just neglect those, and they just go like crazy. So we've done our job, we've neglected it completely, and it's just thrown like crazy. And that is two days ago. Do you know what it did? It survived snow days. Okay? Now, during the ice storm, it was hanging over pretty severe. Okay? It didn't do, look real well. And I've seen other cactus, other cacti around, but they died. But this one, it's flourishing. The amount of flowers on there, there's more now. This morning, if I was taking a picture this morning, there's even more flowers. It's just gorgeous. Our God makes beautiful things. You know what? I'm looking at a ton of them right now. God makes beauty. He creates. You know what it says in the scripture? It says that no one, Jesus says, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. So the Father, you see, is responsible for creation. The Father has made you. He's made this world. He's made all things for you to attribute to the Father. He's the one that even does what needs to be done so that we trust in Jesus. No one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. We have an amazing God. <clears throat> we also love the world that he what? <laughs> so how do I know? It's okay. So there's a technology that's getting terrible. That's a loud ringer, by the way. You have your on that? You had the ringer on peeling, but I turned down the sun. <laughs> so, you think of God who creates. I guess I didn't smoke my thoughts. I found it. <laughs> Hash it back up to me. I'll be right with you. This is what happens when you go write things down. Christianity. Because <clears throat> you know why? In Christianity, God Almighty, who made everything, 
loved us so much he gave us his son to die in our place, to rise again, to give us hope and to give us new life that we might deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. We might actually have a life of purpose and joy, a life much bigger than ourselves as we learn to be his servants, not his rulers. How y'all been living this week? This month, right? I've been here with you for a long time. Nice to see y'all again. <laughs> hey, how you been living? You been living like God? Hurry up, get over and do what I want right now. Are you not here? Well, I'm angry at you, God, because you're not doing what I say. You're supposed to do. We do that, don't we? Don't we? We get frustrated with God when life doesn't go the way we think it's supposed to go. Because we're really not seeing ourselves as servants. We're not really seeing ourselves as sons. We're not really seeing God in his glory and his majesty. We're like, hurry up, God. You love me. Do what I say. Kind of sounds like the boyfriend with the girl in the back seat. <laughs> if you love me, you do whatever I want you to do. Really? You're going to treat God like that? Really? That's not who God is as the Trinitarian awesome God. He loves us. I know he loves me. Every day I know he loves me. Do you know why I know that? Two thousand years ago he gave his son. If nothing else for my day or my week or my month or my year goes my way, does God love me? Do I know that for sure? Yes. How many of you would give your son to God? God awful, horrible people who hate you. You raise your hand a little higher? You wouldn't do that? God did. For you. For you. He has changed you. He has set you free. That's what our awesome Trinitarian God is. If you're talking about something that's beyond me, it's beyond me how God can let that cactus live. It's beyond me that God would create us. It's beyond me that God would redeem me. It's beyond me that God would have patience with me. It's beyond me. Isn't it beyond you? Then look, then you look at the sign. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. Such as beyond my comprehension that he would do that for me. And you know, I lay out before you a lot of my garbage, not all of it, but a lot of it, right? And what I tend to do that for is so that you might also know that you got a lot of garbage too, don't you? Anybody garbage free, let me know. I'll be glad to get and put all your thoughts on the screen. Just so they can see them all. Nobody wants that, right? You know what else it says? This is such a powerful passage. I should have had this one ready. Give me just a moment to find it. Romans chapter 8. Listen to what Romans 8 says. The end of Romans 7 says this. Romans 6 is that God, that we are connected, united with God, with Christ in our baptism, to the death and resurrection. We're made new creatures in Christ. Chapter 7 talks about our struggle. And it says this. Verse 24. Paul writes, What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? You ever feel that? You ever blow it? They're like, man, who's going to rescue me? This is so horrible. And it says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then verse 8, chapter 8, verse 1. 
Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, God doesn't just give us a bunch of rules to say, follow these and you'll be good. Follow these and you got it. God doesn't just do that. God just says this, what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. God says, be perfect as the Lord your God is perfect. And we say, that's beyond me. I can't. And God says, I got your back. I got you covered. Jesus lived your life for you perfectly. And you are now free in him. I have a question. Are you delighting Jesus? Are you living free in him? All those sins, all that garbage that you carry behind you, Jesus says, I've got a big knife here. Can I cut that off? And you can leave those behind. And you can live now free in me. Jesus says in Psalm, or God says in Psalm 103, that as far as east is from, from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. When you say, dear God, please forgive me for X, whatever X is, and God says, I forgive you, like we did earlier today, right? Where are those sins? Exactly, Pete Lauder. They're gone. They're gone. As my seminary professor said to me, when you confess your sins, it's a load off of God's mind. <laughs> because he thinks about them no more. But if you're a little sheep like I am, we tend to keep thinking about them. Because we don't want to think about Jesus, we want to think about our sin. How messed up is that? We all do that, don't we? Am I the only screwed up one here? A bunch of screwed up ones here in the front. Can't see you in the back. Your statement back there. So that's what God has done in His Son Jesus. We are free. For God so loved the world that He gave His one only Son, whoever believes in Him. Let's go to the next part. That is the Trinity. The Trinity has Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that we learn who calls us into the faith, <coughs> us, enlightens us by the Word of God, sanctifies us, sets us apart, and keeps us in the one true faith. That's why we keep coming. So he keeps working us to stay solid, stay secure. So he helps us to trust in what God has done. But as long as God has saved us, should we not all just sit back in our chairs, put our feet up, and just say, whenever you're ready, come, Lord Jesus. Is that our job? No. no. The Holy Spirit also sets us apart, right? Sanctifies us. He sets us apart for Him. I've got two little things I want to share with you before we close. Before the turn of the 20th century, an asylum in the suburbs of Boston housed severely retarded and disturbed individuals. One of the patients was a girl who was simply called Little Annie. She was totally unresponsive to others in the asylum. The staff tried everything possible to help her, yet without success. Finally, she was confined to a cell in the basement of the asylum and given up as hopeless. 
a Christian woman worked at the asylum, and she believed that every one of God's creatures needed love, concern, and care. So she decided to spend her lunch hours in front of little Annie's cell, reading to her and praying that God would free her from her prison of silence. Day after day, the Christian woman came to little Annie's door and read, but the little girl did not respond. Months went by. The woman tried to talk with little Annie, but it was like talking to an empty cell. She brought little tokens of food for the girl, but they were never received. Then one day a brownie was missing from the plate, returning woman retrieved from little Annie's cell. Encouraged, she continued to read to her and pray for her. Eventually, the little girl began to answer the woman through the bars of her cell. Soon, the woman convinced the doctors that little Annie needed a second chance at treatment. They brought her up from the basement and continued to work with her. Within two years, little Annie was told she could leave the asylum and enjoy a normal life. She chose not to leave, though. She was so grateful for the love and attention she was given by the dedicated Christian woman that she decided to stay and love others as she had been loved. So little Annie stayed on at the institution to work with other patients who were suffering as she had suffered. Nearly half a century later, the Queen of England held a special ceremony to honor one of the most inspiring women in the United States, Helen Keller. When asked to what she would attribute her success at overcoming the dual handicap of blindness and deafness, Helen Keller replied, if it hadn't been for Andy Sullivan, I wouldn't be here today. And Sullivan, who tenaciously loved and believed in an incorrigible blind and deaf girl named Helen Keller, was little Andy. The Holy Spirit works to give us life, to give us hope, and to not give up on those who everybody else gives up on. Who's in your life that you just want to give up on? Who's in your life that God is transforming you to love them? And the Spirit is setting you apart that just like that woman who fed into little Annie, you might give in so that through them others may Don't we have an awesome God? Finally, something from the book Teaching the Psalms by Christopher Ash. He writes this. When I say the word lament, you know what I mean, correct? Lament or grieving, crying out. Complaining. Good. Remember, we complain to God, we don't complain about God. The Psalms all complain to God, we just don't complain about Him because. Yeah, are we uh, wiser than God? Lament is the natural human response to sorrow and pain. We grieve, we mourn, we weep. There's nothing special about that. It is common. It is a common human experience. But, and this is a very big difference, the moment we address our lament upwards in prayer to the true God, the God and Father of Jesus Christ, and that prayer is heard in heaven, it becomes something more than the outpouring of human sorrow. It contains within itself, by the ministry of the Spirit of God, who groans in and through our prayers, the, the seed of the future rescue, and therefore of praise. Praise is the appropriation in the present of truths that will only be consummated in the future. We praise not because the present is easy, but because the future is glorious. Praise is 
is therefore not the outpouring of hearts made glad by present happy circumstances, but the expression of faith or trust in hearts made glad in the midst of suffering by the assurance of future glory. I do care what you're going through. I do care what's happening in your life right now. But regardless if you came up on, you came here today on cloud nine or you're just dragging yourself in because it's the worst day of your life. Whatever way it is, you know that you can join me in praying. Because our future <clears throat> is more glorious than we can imagine. We will one day, according to scripture, as I submit to the truths of scripture and resist the devil's lies, he says that one day you and I will reign with Jesus, new heavens, new earth, forever. That's beyond my understanding. But it's true. And so if we pray, it's not based on what we're going through right now, but if we pray based on what will happen one day, as I live my life in anticipation of that, we can live to pray. And who is worthy of our praise? Our Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.